Eating healthy on business travel is challenging not only because travelers are often confronted with more unhealthy options than healthy ones, but because no one really knows what food is anymore. This episode 38 is titled Travel Healthy, A Road Warrior's Guide to Eating Healthy with Natasha Ledger on the healthandwellness.com podcast, where we discover and share new alternative health tools and resources from alternative healthcare practitioners and experts. And I, you know, I just realized something's got to give here. And I, and I certainly, you know, I didn't want to wind up with health problems. You know, I considered myself to be healthy at the time, you know, didn't go to the doctor regularly, none of those things. But I was starting to get concerned that if I didn't start being more proactive, that I could be putting myself down the road, you know, the path to having um, health problems. And I didn't want that. My, you know, my vision of of life is one where we live with pure vitality. Mm -hmm. And that when it's time to go, I want to go quickly. I don't want to be hooked up to machines. I don't want to take, you know, blockbuster long term drugs. None of that. I just I want to be vibrant. And welcome back to AlternativeHealthTools.com. So today uh, we have Natasha Ledger with us. Rather than give you a big long introduction, um, I think we'll just like jump into it. The conversation started like so often it does where you find out this uh, person on the other end of the phone is somebody really interesting. It has a lot of experience in alternative health and sometimes comes up with a product or a service that is really, really valuable for other people. So, Natasha, I wanted to welcome you. Well, thank you so much, John. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. So we are on December 31st, 2015. This is the final show, actually, for Alternative Health Tools and uh, to be released next week. And I really can't think of a better topic um, to talk about traveling from 2015 into 2016, how to travel healthy. So I'm always curious about how people got into what, they, what they're now doing. So I'm an international trade attorney turned mm. global business consultant mm-hmm. turned author. Mm. And the book that you referenced is called Travel Healthy, A Road Warrior's Guide to Eating Healthy. And I wrote this book because I wish the book had been available to me when I first started my career as a traveling consultant. Mm -hmm. And I was eating at the office or at a client site or at a conference, you know, three times a day. And I came home one night and I felt like a toxic waste product. And I decided to open up one of my juicing books that had a cleanse in the back. And I started thinking, you know, maybe it's time for a change. Mm -hmm. And so I embarked on this three-week cleanse Hmm. that radically changed my life, really radically changed the way I thought about what I was eating. Do you know what kind of of cleanse was it? I mean, was it a... Yes, it was a three-week betonite clay cleanse. Nice. I know what that is. Yes. So, um, you know, after the three weeks, it's interesting. 
people started telling me, wow, you look really clean from the inside out. <laughs> <laughs> from the well, inside out? How did they know? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I guess it just must have been that that glow. Um, you know, And I didn't have acne problems or anything like that, but it was just the wear and tear of mm. the stress of work and just the way I was you know, I was eating. I mean, as you know, I'd start off my day with um, coffee and latte. And then, um, you know, then I'd have something down at the the cafeteria. And then, you know, I'm, I'm traveling. So I'm on, you know, I'm on the go, I would pick up whatever's there, lunch would be ordered in for us, then there's dinner that's ordered in, and I don't get home until 11 o'clock at night. Mm. And I was looking forward to a glass of wine to decompress. And that was my cycle. Hmm. How long for, did that go on? For a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I just realized something's got to give here. And I, and I certainly, you know, I didn't want to wind up with health problems. You know, I considered myself to be healthy at the time, you know, didn't go to the doctor regularly, none of those things. But I was starting to get concerned that if I didn't start being more proactive, that I could be putting myself down the road, you know, the path to having um, health problems. And I didn't want that. My, you know, my vision of, of life is one where we live with pure vitality mm-hmm. and that when it's time to go, I want to go quickly. I don't want to be hooked up to machines. I don't want to take, you know, blockbuster yep. long-term drugs. None of that. I just, I want to be vibrant. Yeah. It's really interesting you say that because uh, that's the second time I've heard that from a from a coach in the last, well, in the last two days. This notion of hanging on, in other words, with drugs and all this other, you know. Well, it, exactly. It's just, it's not my, it's not my personal view of quality of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I realized, you know, it was time to take things into my own hands. And as a result of doing that cleanse, I, so during the cleanse, as you know, it, you know, you, you, you don't, eat any sugar, you know, no dairy, no meat products. <laughs> um, you know, it's basically a raw foods, raw foods diet. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for the three weeks and I started, I saw the big change and I started shifting what I was putting in my grocery cart mm-hmm. and started shifting what I was eating at work and on the go. And then Thanksgiving rolled around and I looked into my, my grocery cart and I realized I did not have one processed food with the exception of canned tomatoes in my in my grocery cart strictly by focusing on what just did you focus on like just not buying anything that had a label or no you know i just because i was juicing so much Uh i was just buying a lot of fresh produce Mm -hmm. and i just shifted from saying okay well if I'm putting this into the juice, then I, I should also be eating that as my my whole solid food mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so as a result of the juicing process, that got me to eat more and more whole foods. And it also took me down the path of learning more and more about foods mm-hmm. because your exposure to food is a function of the environment that you're in. So if And I like to say if, um, you know, a convenience store is your only access to food, then that's what you think your universe is. Mm -hmm. And and so what's so important is to expand, Mm -hmm. expand that universe and start and start to understand what the options are. And once I did, it just it was mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
as well as physically uh, rejuvenating and revitalizing. Mm -hmm. And at that time you were starting to travel or you were traveling quite a bit? I was traveling. I was traveling. So I started to become a lot more conscious of what I was eating and also more conscious of making those choices because so many times when you're in a business environment, somebody says, well, let's go to lunch, Mm -hmm. you know, and usually go with whatever place the person selected and you don't really think about it and you kind of hope that you'll find something that that you like. And so I started really taking a more active role in saying, well, wait a minute, if if I want to make sure that I'm eating something healthy, I have to play a part in that decision of what that restaurant is going to be like. So I started doing a lot more research on the places that were around and I start I stopped frequent frequenting some places mm-hmm. and started others. So all of these different active choices I I started to make and getting back to the book is I was at one of these ubiquitous conference dinners in Chicago Mm -hmm. about two and a half years ago now and I was sitting next to a lady who asked me how I um, you know keep up with being healthy on the road because she was a health fanatic herself but she just took on this new job she was traveling 50% of the time. Her stress factor was through the roof. She mm-hmm. was working 15 hours a day. And so she said, well, you're just as busy, just as stressed as me. How do you do it? Because I fell off the wagon. Yeah. And so I started giving her some of my tips. And she's like, oh, well, that that seems that seems logical. That seems to make sense. That seems practical. That's not mm-hmm. – that's – that that's not overwhelming. And then and then she said to me, you know, you should really write a book for the rest of us because we need hope on there on what to do because it feels hopeless when you're traveling for business. Because you feel like a victim. You're a victim of the fast food places at the airport. You're a victim of delayed schedules. You're a victim of hotel mm-hmm. um, room service, etc. And so I went home and I wrote 80% of the book in about a month. Wow. Because it just it just poured out of me. Yes, yes. And you know, like so many things, it's getting that next twenty percent. <laughs> I know, um, I know. Done. And and but when I wrote the book, I realized a couple of things: is that there are a lot of nutrition, diet, and health books out there, but they don't address the business traveler. And if they do, it's usually one page, and they tell you bring your own snacks. Yeah. Now, when you were you were traveling. How many days, I mean, were you doing the typical, like, fly out on a Monday morning, return on a Friday, or was it sporadic? Or um, For me, it was a little bit more sporadic. I was traveling perhaps every three weeks or so, uh-huh. okay. um, but it would depend on the project that I was on. In some cases, it could be every two weeks. In other cases, um, you know, it might be every every month. In other cases, for, for a period of, you know, two or three months, I might be traveling every other week. So it depended because my travel was project-based. So who is the book really written for? So the book is written for my fellow business travelers. So someone that knows that they're having a hard time eating healthy on the road and trying to make the healthy choices. But part of the problem is this issue of healthy, what is healthy today it's so confusing because of all of the marketing that's around it. And what I mean by that is low fat, low salt, 
Um, okay, so are you a proponent of low fat not being such a good thing? So my view of things is that you need to focus on the nutrient value and you need mm-hmm. to focus on how food is grown, how it's processed and how it's prepared. And so one of the things that I did in the book is I realized that there was a need to redefine our understanding of food. When I looked up the definition of food, I realized that it was circular. So I don't know if you've ever looked it up, but food is defined as anything that will sustain you or give you energy. Mm-hmm. Well, a candy bar will do that. But that doesn't make you healthy. And if you look at the definition of health and healthy, it includes being illness or disease free. So I realized that the word that we use to describe what we should eat has nothing to do with health. Mm -hmm. So I coined a new word called Nori, N-O-U-R-I. Yeah, I really love it. Thank you. And I connected those two pieces. I connected what we eat to the health impact. So the short definition of Nori is non-processed, non-genetically modified, non-chemically treated, hate to use the word food again, but food that increases your immune system, that promotes energy, and, and, and reduces the risk of illness and disease. That is a lot of responsibility in one little word. And you asked the question of, of fats, you know, my long definition of of nori in the book is any plant or animal-based protein, fat, carbohydrate, vitamin, mineral, or phytonutrient that is ingested in liquid or solid form Mm -hmm. that improves the cellular functions of of the body to strengthen the immune system, promote energy, and reduce the risk of illness and disease. And I included all of those pieces in there because of all the marketing that's going on around each one of those pieces. But the issue is, is that most people don't know where their vitamins come from. They don't know where the fats come from. They don't know, um, you know, where the carbohydrates come from. Mm-hmm. So from my perspective, what's really important is to, to focus on that stage. And Nori is really in its whole unprocessed, untreated, unaltered stage because mm-hmm. Food, in my opinion, has become a very bad word to describe what we should be eating because it has become so adulterated. Mm-hmm. So step number one in the book, again, was to the, the one key tool is to change the word to make it easy for people to identify what they should be eating. So mm-hmm. now when you see a menu item, you can actually ask yourself, well, is that nori? Mm-hmm. And Simple. Very simple, very simple. And, you know, people have said this has really transformed my way of thinking about things because before the reaction would be, oh, you know, I really shouldn't have that because it's bad for me. Mm-hmm. Well, what does bad for me really mean? So when you start to think about what is unhealthy or bad for you, you think in terms of, well, is it going to destroy my cells? Is it going to contribute to weight gain? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it going to um, negatively impact my metabolism? You know, all of these things that lead to disease. So once you ask yourself, well, is it nori? And if the answer is yes, then great, thumbs up. Mm -hmm. 
But here's the here's the challenge. Okay, so what if it's not? Mm-hmm. And this is the problem that most business travelers run into. Well, right. what if it's not? Well, if it's not, then the next question has to be, well, is it worth the damage right now? Yeah. Because you're making a conscious choice, right? Right. And I ask myself that question before I'm going to eat something, you know, that's questionable, which is, you know, is it, um, what's the price I'm going to have to pay here? Exactly. Exactly. And speaking of price, you know, it's one of the other things I, I talk about because when we, when we make our food decisions, we really need to think about one is return on investment. And return on asset. Again, I'm using business terms from, from sure. my background to help a lot of people think about, you know, what we're doing differently. Um, but the return on investment being $1 of unhealthy food equals $5 of healthcare costs. Yeah, when I read that, uh, you know, it just it solidified what I've always thought. It's just really expensive. Well, exactly. You know, you can either, you know, my view is you can either pay the farmer or you can pay the doctor. <laughs> yeah, good. But you're going to pay for it one way, one way or the other, and you know, hopefully by by paying the farmer first and and making sure that you have those those quality ingredients is that you're not going to not only have to pay the healthcare costs, but also not have to go through all of the emotional distress that's involved in illness and not only your own, but your family and friends around you. Yeah, I think a lot of people would say, I've heard people say this, where, yeah, well, I have really good health care. And <laughs> I personally think um, the way health care is set up in this country, it's anything but health care. I mean, it's, it, it leans towards fixing a problem that really, if you were eating right and taking care of your health, would have never existed. I, I agree with you 100%. You know, my, my view on on health care or rather health insurance Mm -hmm. is that we're not, we're to your point, we're not talking about health or we're talking about wellness. What we're really talking about is financial insurance in case you have something catastrophic so that you don't go bankrupt, you know? And so, so there are lots of issues with, with the premise that we have right now. And, and, you know, like you, I know a lot of people that say the same thing that say, well, I don't have to worry about it because it will be covered. Mm-hmm. But my perspective is that's not the issue of it being covered. The issue is, do you want to be sick? And I personally don't want to be sick. Right. I, you know, when people talk about the expense, the expense of Whole Foods or whatever is, you know, how expensive it is to be healthy. I simply ask, have you ever really had to pay for diabetes? Have you ever had to pay for cancer? You know, it, it's so funny. I, I I reconnected with a friend a um, couple couple months ago that I hadn't spoken to in years, and so first thing she said to me, "Well, how are you?" And I said, "Well, I'm great. I'm I'm physically, spiritually, and mentally fantastic and happy." And she said, "Well, I've got to get that. You know, where do you get that?" <laughs> yeah, from your website, right? <laughs> What is your website again, by the way? So it's travelhealthybook.com. Aha. Uh-huh. I actually knew that, but I wanted you to say it. Why, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So who is this book really geared towards? I mean, we know it's for the, you know, somebody that's traveling and wants to be healthy. But when you sent me the book and I started reading it, I realized that it's, it's a lot of people. I mean, I have heard that there's like 30,000 flights a day. Yes, there are about 
450 million business trips a year in the U.S. alone. Oh, my gosh. So that's about 40 million business travelers in the U.S. alone. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so the book is is targeted towards business travelers, mainly Mm -hmm. because they've been neglected. Mm -hmm. But the book is really for anyone who wants to eat healthy or is currently eating healthy but still, you know, not sure if they're – making the best choices or they're eating healthy and they're still sick and they don't know why. Mm-hmm. Again, back to this issue of, well, what is really healthy? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what does that mean? And tie and tying the diet um, to optimum, mm-hmm. to optimum mm-hmm. health. So I like to say that the book is really for anyone, but specifically for business travelers that are just ultimately challenged. Right. And, you know, ultimately, I mean, so not only the business travelers, but I, I really think the audience for the book is also these companies that are putting employees mm-hmm. on the road. Yes. Because the business traveler lifestyle is something that's fostered mm-hmm. by the employer. As I'm thinking about it, uh, for the business traveler, when they're traveling, they're generally under stress. So, You've got people traveling that are like, you know, traveling wherever, you know, on a vacation who also could benefit from this. But it's it's mainly that business traveler that needs to do whatever they can to relieve stress. And I know a lot of airports now have um, places where you can go to get a massage. It may only be a, like a chair massage. Are we starting to see in airports healthier food? I mean, is that starting to happen more and more? Or do you have to really become your own advocate and really pay close attention to to what you're going to be eating. You do need to pay close attention. You know, one of the things I like to point out is um, they are experts of marketing, you know, so you'll see a lot of these little airport um, food stands that say fresh, you know, or they yeah. say gourmet or, you know, they've got the, the nice little lime green color that gives you that false sense of security that it's healthy and farm fresh. And it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But with that said, is we also we always have to recognize the environment that we're in, and airports have a very unique environment in terms of how they get food in and out of the airport, timing, all of these things. So it's not going to be a perfect environment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But with that said, we can make a lot of efforts to find those places that are going to push us onto the positive side of the healthy eating spectrum. Mm-hmm. Because there is that spectrum between negative impact and positive impact back to the choices that you make. So instead of going to the fast food joints and grabbing something that you know is going to be full of um, the usual, the three culprits, the fat, salt, and sugar, um, and then also conventionally grown probably mm-hmm. stored for a while, probably, you know, haven't, hasn't been picked in the last day, but maybe in the last week or two weeks, you mm-hmm. know, these types of things that, you know, we want to make an effort to try to, to try to pick the things that at least appear to us to be the freshest, because just the process of what you're going through in that scenario prepares you for the next scenario that you're going to be in. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to that your environment is always going to change. What you choose to eat is a function of the environment that you're in. Mm -hmm. But with that said, you do need to hunt around. So, for instance, 
DIA, Denver International Airport, is my home airport. Mm -hmm. And there are two great restaurants that are there, one called Root Down and the other one called Etty's. Mm -hmm. And they really focus on farm-to-table and on um, nori-based um, menu items. Mm -hmm. And so when I have extra time, and it's not always the case, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if, if you're rushing to your flight, you don't have that option. But if I have a long layover, I'll make sure I get over to the next terminal and I'll eat at root down or I'll, you know, I'll have, I'll have my breakfast there mm -hmm. if I've got a morning flight out. Is that by any chance root down a chain or not? No, no, it's not. It sort of brings up a question about chains. Spend a little bit of time in the restaurant business and know that most chains are supplied by um, suppliers that, you know, I mean, everything is just manufactured and processed. I mean, my experience is I always like to look for restaurants or even grocery stores that are individually owned. I agree with you. Always the best option because inevitably when you have chains that, you know, they, they try to manage costs as much as possible. So they drive costs down. And I've spoken with a lot of them and a lot of them that, that try to be on the healthy side and they try to do as much as possible, like even sourcing locally. It depends on how they're structured, how much autonomy they have locally to make some of those sourcing choices. Mm -hmm. They can make recommendations, but they're not always adhered to. What I love about this book is that it's, it's phenomenally useful. So... Um, at the you know before we got on the podcast, you were talking about you wanted to keep it you know small and simple. And can you talk a little bit about that process? Sure. So I've been researching this for fifteen years from from my own you know personal mm -hmm. personal benefit and needs. And so I've I've read a lot of these books. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and what I found is they're usually long, dense. If they're diet books, they make you feel like a failure by chapter one because mm -hmm. they become rigid in what you're supposed to do. And so I realized that that approach, you know, had to change. And also it needed to be written from the perspective of someone that experiences that same lifestyle because a lot of recommendations that are made in these other books while they 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 they're probably very good recommendations they're mm -hmm. not always easily imp implemented mm -hmm. depending on your lifestyle so everything that that i propose in the book was really from that perspective of how can i make it easy how can i make it practical how can i how can i format and and draft the book in a way that every page gives a nugget of information mm -hmm. but it also doesn't hit you over the head you know i didn't want to be the health police right yeah, and yeah. you know i i really wanted people um to be able to think critically on their own mm -hmm. and to give them tools to filter out how they how they make these choices and more importantly is empower them. Mm -hmm. You know, like each page you can turn, it's like, ah, you know, I, I, I get that. I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Now I'm empowered. That was that was my that was my approach to it. And then also to make it um, very graphically engaging so that it's not text heavy, mm -hmm. so it doesn't feel like a dissertation. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't feel like I'm Hopefully, it doesn't feel like I'm lecturing. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'd say that's totally accurate, and that that describes the book. Yeah, it's, no, it's really good. As you know, I, I got the book just a few days before the recording. I hadn't, I haven't had time to go completely in detail through it, but I thought to myself, you know what? I should just put myself on this book, this program. 
And I'm, I used to travel quite a bit, but I'm sitting here looking at this book going, oh, my gosh, for somebody that really wants to turn it around for themselves, um, you don't have to be a traveler. You know, you can start with this book for, for the reasons we talked about in terms of it, its simplicity. Absolutely. You know, I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you a story. A, a recent colleague of mine asked me for a copy of the book, and he told me that he traveled every other week for about 10 to 15 years. He mm-hmm. had his own business, traveled around the U.S. and the world. Mm-hmm. And then he said, um, the road almost killed me. And so I was curious to see what your book recommended. And so his story was that he had a heart attack on his drive back from the airport returning from a business trip. Wow. And he he lives in a rural area. And so 90 minutes away from the airport. And rural meaning you don't always have cell coverage. Oh, my gosh. And so he had... He said, um, I had a heart attack 30 minutes outside of the airport. So he was 10 minutes away from the next, mm. the next town. Mm-hmm. He knew he was having a heart attack. He pulled over to the side of the road, took two aspirin, because he said he carried the aspirin with him just in case someone else would have a heart attack. Oh, my gosh. And he drove himself to the hospital. And they administered Effian, I think, is the the name of the appropriate cardiac medication. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so as a result of his quick thinking, he had no damage, but that was the end of his career. He, mm-hmm. was, 59, he was 59 years old. Pretty young for a heart attack. Yes. And so he told me, he said he read the book, and he said, Natasha, I wish this book was available at the time because we all know and we all knew that you know, it was hard to figure out how to eat healthy. And, you know, everybody kept telling us, well, you need to make healthy choices. But there was never a roadmap mm-hmm. on how to do that. There was never a guidebook mm-hmm. on how to do that. And so that's what my intent was with this book is mm-hmm. is really for it to be a guide, a guidebook, a survival guidebook mm-hmm. um, to help people make make their choices. Mm-hmm. No, it's great. There was a period of time for about three, four years where I worked for a nutritional company actually here in Carlsbad, California, but I was living in Portland, Oregon, and I became a regional manager and was traveling and and training people. And, you know, the drill was, you know, travel and train, and it was, boy, what a challenge. So I really wish I had this back then. (laughs) Where were you? Oh, yeah, you're probably just writing the book. I don't know. (laughs) Published in 2013, is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yes, December of 2013. Yeah. You know, one thing that's really fun I like to ask people is, uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, maybe one defining moment in your life? And do you know what I mean by defining moment? I do. Um, You know... It's a hard one for me to talk about, but it was it was when my my cousin died mm. at um, the age of fourteen. He was a year younger than me. Mm. Head on collision um, for reasons I won't go into. He was driving the car, and his friend was in the passenger seat, and um, he died, and his friend survived. 
And I always ask myself, why was that? And I just realized from that, you know, from that moment and from that day is that you never know what life is going to throw at you. Mm -hmm. Life is short and we need to live it to our fullest extent. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I've lived my life. And that's the way I look at what we choose to eat because we're making conscious choices about that that can impact what that why don't we call it that end date you know we all we all have a time when our time is up and it could be in a car accident you know it could be slipping on ice i mean it could be a fatal disease it could be a whole host of things Mm -hmm. um, that take us away from the life that we're currently living on this planet and what's important is just to live each moment to its fullest Mm -hmm. And enjoy everything that's around us, all the beauty that's around us. Mm-hmm. And I just, I feel that when you're sick or when you, you, you eat things that almost dampen your sensory network, if you will, mm-hmm. that it, it cuts your life short in the experiences that you can have in living it in its fullest. Well said. I mean, I've had my own defining moments, but I also like to create them. So one way I do that is by, I like, I like to do a three-day water fast once a month. And what happens with me is that I have a tendency to get hungry and, you know, I'm drinking good water. So it's like water, some minerals, but not a lot. Just sort of slow down. I don't drive. I just stay pretty quiet and uh, sort of empty myself. And then when I come back, it's, I, I'm able to make a better choice in terms of the food I eat, the, you know, even exercise or anything else. But it, it's, you know, I think it's pretty important to just stop. There's something else that I, I would like to share with you is yeah. that, um, so we started growing our own food Very about nice. three, three years ago now. Mm-hmm. Yes, because we'll be going into our fourth growing season. Amazing. Congratulations. Yes. And, you know, one of the defining moments about that process is realizing the choices that you make when you grow food, because mm-hmm. we realized that you're going to lose a third of what you grow to Mother Nature, mm-hmm. a third to pests, and you get to keep a third. And what that means is that, at least for us, we have to grow for the whole ecosystem. So if we want more to meet our goals, we have to grow more because we only get to keep a third. Mm. But what I realized then is that, especially for people that are growing commercially, it's about yield, which means you want all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. And if you want all of it, then that often means that you make some decisions that distort that process, right? And that's when we get into using chemicals and fungicides and pesticides and mm. genetic modification, all of these things that have wound up adulterating our food system and compromising the nutrient value of our food system. Yeah, you know what? I never really ever thought of it in those terms. So if you're only keeping a third and uh, you know the whole manufactured food system is trying to 
you know, keep more of it. Yeah, that's where the chemicals and all the stuff comes in. How do you feel about GMO? I actually think I know, but. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, I, so let's be clear on what GMOs are, I think, because sometimes people are confused, right? So genetic modification um, or genetically modified organism means that you've injected the gene of one one species into another species, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, into a Brazil nut, you might insert the gene of a pig, for instance, or, you know, a bacteria into corn, mm-hmm. um, which is different from traditional um, hybridization, right, when you're, you're cross-pollinating. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the problem that I see with this is that evolution hasn't played out yet. Mm-hmm. And so we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, there are a lot of studies that have already shown that um, GMO foods are causing inflammation in the body or cause mm-hmm. are are associated with with illnesses. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, you know, I'm I'm of the opinion that we should always be prudent in the decisions that we make and think about this, which is, you know, this has been around for the last 20 years or so. Mm-hmm. That's not a very long evolutionary period of time. <laughs> no, it's not like 100,000 years. Exactly. Yeah. And and so, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I watched Michael Pollan's documentary last night um, in defense of food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he basically said we have two choices is that we can evolve along the current food system that includes genetically modified processed, you know, all of all of the things that we've we've come to associate with a modern supermarket and um, adapt very painfully with illness and disease, or we can choose to have a more simple Mm -hmm. um, approach to eating, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, unprocessed and Mm -hmm. unadulterated. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the path that people are on today is, you know, figuring out which way they want to go. Yeah, good. And they should. They should question everything. I mean, you know, you've alluded to the fact that, you know, on the internet, it's full of a lot of misinformation, a lot of marketing hype and all the rest of it. And people just really need to be their own advocate and find out for themselves. I'll, I'll give you another story is that I was, yeah. I was on the, I was on the Metro in Australia and I saw a gentleman across from me. What at the time I thought, I thought he was rolling a joint and I was thinking <laughs> to myself, wow, this country's really progressive. And then I realized that he was just rolling himself a fresh cigarette mm-hmm. from fresh tobacco and mm-hmm. he pulled out the bag and i kid you not in about 80 point font it said this causes cancer really yes <laughs> and and so you know i said to myself okay well you've been informed and if that's the choice you want to make then so be it just you know as long as you're not smoking in my presence and compromising my health mm-hmm. that's your choice you've been informed mm-hmm. Great. Mm -hmm. I think what is insidious about what's happened in our food system is that people are not informed Mm -hmm. about what's in in their food. Mm -hmm. And what they are informed about are often very superficial. And so my view is the more informed you can be, and and this also gets into GMO labeling and all Mm -hmm. sorts of labeling, is, is frankly... People should know. And, you know, as a as a former international trade attorney, you know, I can tell you is, is that generally industry doesn't like labeling if it's going to distort 
consumer behavior. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I.e. sales. You know, and right. so the fact of the matter, they said, well, if people knew, then they wouldn't buy it. Well, if there was nothing wrong with it, then they would probably still buy it. But they have a right to know. Yeah, they do. And, and to make that choice. And the same thing in restaurants, because I don't know if you know this, but less than 1% of um, agricultural lands in the United States mm-hmm. are available for organic farming. Oh, man which means use of no chemicals, right? Right. So that means 99% of the lands and the foods that are being produced are being produced with chemicals. You know, so to me, you know, and people often ask me, it's like, well, how can you be so disciplined? And it's, it's not so much a disciplined question. It's like, you know, do you want those chemicals in your body or not? It's very, it's, it's a very simple question. Mm-hmm. But what's not so simple is getting access to that anymore when only 1% of agriculture right. lands in the U S. So, um, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm hoping happens as a result of my book is that if more and more business travelers mm-hmm. realize, you know, that they, they should be eating nori and start demanding nori is that that will shift supply, mm-hmm. but you have to have demand in order to shift supply and production. Mm-hmm. And so that's my, that's my hope. Yeah, I know. I can tell. I mean, your your passions wound up here in the last few minutes. <laughs> and I mentioned it just because I told you earlier that it's like, you know, I have some ideas. So it's like, um, <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's like the company I worked for here in Carlsbad, I had a relationship still with you know many of the people that still work there, including the director of HR. And she's the one that's responsible for making sure all the training's done and all the rest of it. So... Every time they hire somebody, you know, and there's a thousand salespeople in the United States, you know, every one of those people should get this book because they're traveling a lot. You got it. Yeah. So listen up, everyone out there. Just go to travelhealthybook.com and pick up a copy and give it to your director of HR. Does that make sense? Give it to your director of HR. Give it to your corporate corporate wellness director. Give it to your sales director. You know, anyone that... um, is managing a travel budget or mm-hmm. putting people on the road. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that can be um, sales director, VP of sales. Mm-hmm. It can be, you know, the, the CIO department, mm-hmm. director of IT, you know, anybody that's traveling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's easy to see that actually a company would benefit greatly from it because, you know, people, people are going to feel and perform better. You know, it's really important. Well, I can, I can give you another statistic. Love it. So the average average um, meal per diem, travel meal per diem, oh, yeah. is about ninety seven is now ninety seven dollars a day. Okay. And if you do the calculation of one dollar of unhealthy food equals five dollars mm-hmm. of healthcare costs. Mm-hmm. So you multiply that across. You know, somebody's got an average business trip of um, three days a week, mm-hmm. and even at about. Um, I think I did the calculation at quarter time. Mm-hmm. Um, that would result in potential health care costs of forty seven thousand dollars, forty seven to forty eight thousand mm-hmm. dollars per business trip. It's actually amazing that you would do that math, but I probably after talking with you, I expect nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, given your background and stuff, right? Nah. Yeah. 
So it, you know, it hits the bottom line because the fact of the matter is, is it's a sunk cost. You know, these companies, they're paying for meal reimbursements when people are traveling. It's a sunk cost. So what if they turn that sunk cost into an investment? Yes. You know, and, and it doesn't take much for them to um, either give their employees a copy of the book or to help their employees find nori places to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't take that much mm-hmm. to make a huge, huge difference. Yeah. In your book, you also list some resources, some apps and stuff that are available for people that are traveling, which is really, really good. I do. But, you know, I'm sitting here thinking of my experience with this company I worked in. And as an inside regional manager, we were responsible for communicating with the field. And we did it mostly through text and email. So there's nothing that would stop any company from actually creating the infrastructure inside to be able to, you know, to really support those teams of people out there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know. So many companies are, are starting to build wellness platforms. I mean, they can build us into their wellness platforms. Yes. Possibly even gamify it, if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely. Well, so... Fun. Absolutely. In the, in the book, I do talk about your health KPI, your key yes. performance indicator. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oftentimes people are measuring their cholesterol levels. Mm-hmm. Um, but... The one that I think is is so incredibly important that gives a holistic view is your antioxidant score because this measures really? the health of your yes measures the health of your immune system. Great. So talk about that a little bit. As you know, I'm very curious about that for obvious <laughs> reasons. Yes. I mean, I know what I know what antioxidants are. I'm as you know, I'm hyper focused on hydrogen right now. Have been yes. for a while. So yeah, talk yeah talk a little bit about that. So um, the company that commercialized the biophotonic scanner mm-hmm. is called NuSkin. And um, the research was done by, I believe it was the University of Utah. Mm-hmm. And they, they created this scanner initially to detect macular degeneration in the eye. Oh, wow. And it, in practice, it wasn't so easy and so NuSkin helped them commercialize it so that it's a little it's a little laser. It's a three minute um, scanner that scans the palm of your hand. Oh. And what it's reading for is a family of antioxidants, mm-hmm. carotenoids. Mm-hmm. And what I love about it is unlike a urine test or a blood test, which is just a snapshot of what's Mm -hmm. going on in your body at that moment in time. Mm -hmm. When you read the carotenoid levels in the tissues, it's reading what's been going on over the last six to eight weeks. Oh, really? So you can't spike it. Right, right, right. That's (laughs) exactly, that's what you're talking about. That's what I'm talking about. But it gives you a sense of where you are. And so because of FDA rules, you know, they can't, they can't say that, you know, this is indicative of X, Y, or Z, Mm -hmm. but what they have, what they have, um, consistently, um, shown is that if people score below Mm 10,000 and the average is around, um, 24,000 is considered a pretty good marker for your immune system. Mm -hmm. Um, but people that score below 10,000, they tell them, you know, I'd suggest you go to a doctor and do a regular checkup or, mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. 
they have routinely found that those people have had problems. Mm -hmm. They've had something wrong with them, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. serious. Now, how I how you, now your next question is probably how did you discover this antioxidant mm -hmm. scanner? Mm -hmm. And so, there's a friend of mine who was a distributor for Pharmanex, which is the supplemental arm mm -hmm. of New Skin, and a couple of times he would say, you know, you should really try out this antioxidant scanner. And, and he kept bugging me about it. And finally, I said, all right. And my view was, if I score high, it validates my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I score low, the problem's their technology. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good. So at the time, I scored, I think it was like 59,000. Oh, my gosh. And that was the highest score in the state. Oh, at the really? time. And I outscored the people in the company. Nice. Without using their supplements, by the way. Yeah. I was just, I was just, because he said to me, you know, you'll probably score high because you juice regularly and, mm -hmm. and everything. So vegans tend to score the highest. Mm -hmm. And um, my highest score has been 80,000. Mm. And what I love about it, it is, even though my diet may not change, but it also demonstrates um, it. It reflects the stress in your life. So, at very um, stressful levels in my life, I've gone down to about um, sixty-two thousand, maybe fifty-nine thousand, fifty-seven thousand. Mm -hmm. I haven't gone below like fifty-seven thousand. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that my diet hasn't changed. It's my stress mm -hmm. that has changed, which mm -hmm. shows how the body's your immune system is reacting. Mm -hmm. To stress, meaning I, I may not be sleeping as well. I'm traveling a lot more, you know, all of, all of these things. But I think that antioxidant scanner mm -hmm. and that score is a great way to gamify things because the people in the company, that's what they were doing, mm -hmm. is that they started competing on their scores. So when they would go out to lunch together, they would all make sure they had salads because they had to make sure their <laughs> score was higher than the other person, Fun. you know, Fun. and. And I think it would be great in a school environment, mm -hmm. you know, as well to get people to think about how the food impacts, mm -hmm. impacts them. And it's, it's such a non-invasive, easy way to do it, mm -hmm. you know, that, um, that's amazing. Can, yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. So that's one of my, that's one of my key KPIs. Yeah. Nice. Well, I obviously want to find out more about all that, but, uh, probably save it for another time. I mean, you know, there's quite a bit right there. And obviously, I need to do some research on it myself. I, John, I just want to just say one thing is how sure. I found out about you is because my friend and colleague, Chris Babayoti, oh. just wrote a book on uh, called Farewell Jet Lag, where mm -hmm. he talks about the things we should be doing from a lifestyle, nutrition, mm -hmm. supplement mm -hmm. um, perspective in order to reduce if not eliminate jet lag and the two things that he talked about in his book um from a hydration perspective mm -hmm. is the importance of hydrogen mm -hmm. in your body so that your cells are properly uh, nourished mm -hmm. but also because hydrogen acts as a protective barrier against radiation yeah I, and so that's something you, about hydrogen i haven't heard before well there you go yeah so Apparently, so because um, one transatlantic flight is mm -hmm. equal to about 50 x-rays. So where is all that coming from in terms of the the uh, radiation? It's the natural radiation in the atmosphere. Oh, gotcha. Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, so, it's so much, it's so fun to have someone like you on a podcast that knows more than I. I love it. And I don't, I don't proclaim to know all that much. You know, I'm not, I don't have any degrees or anything else like in nutrition or anything else, but I am self-studied and it's, God, it's just a pleasure to have you on. Well, I thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our time together. Yeah, good. Well, I'm not going to end it yet before I ask this question. Okay, fantastic. So when you think about, if, if if there was something you think that everyone needs to hear that would be considered like a health tip or something that they really just need to hear that, that maybe they're not hearing from anywhere else, what do you think that would be? What would you have to say to them? Change the word for food. Change the word for food. Yes. Nori is the new food. Nori is the new food. Love yep. it. Stop, stop using the word food because food at this point has no meaning. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's being manufactured in so many different ways that mm-hmm. people don't understand. Mm-hmm. So it's an anomaly, actually. Yes. In other words, it sort of doesn't exist. Yes. Not it's, in a it's got, way. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because on, on Michael Pollan's um, documentary last night, you know, mm-hmm. one of the things he, he talked about is he says, well, you know, eat food, not too much, and mostly plants. Mm-hmm. And then he had a definition for food because he he went through all about how um, you know, food has changed and we don't really know what we're eating anymore. But I believe he said, um, you should eat a food, what did he call it? A food like, an alternative food like substitute or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought about that and I said, but how does anybody process what that means? Mm-hmm. So again, back to, I think the most important thing for people to do and think about is change their vocabulary Mm. on how to describe what they eat for optimum health. Mm. And self-servingly, it's my new word, nori. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I think the word food has just become so adulterated Mm -hmm. that it has no meaning anymore for people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And calling it real food, you know, what's real food? Mm -hmm. And who defines real? So it's so important to get back to what is it that we should be eating and then how is it actually grown, produced, and prepared mm-hmm. that then affects its nuriness? Because the other thing I, I like to say is that, you know, if if you're a chicken lover and you eat, you, you like, you, you're getting organic chicken, but you deep fry it, mm-hmm. you know, it might have originally started out as yeah. nori because it was organically grown, not only organically, but pasture, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> pasture-raised because mm-hmm. factory chickens are not nori. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you deep fry it, then you've reduced its noriness, you yeah. know, so not, not, quite, not quite there. So, again, all of these different things for people to, to think about. Yeah, it's nice. I'm also a big proponent of experimenting. I think I might have told you on the phone when we were talking that I read Dr. David Perlmutter's book, um, Grain Brain. Mm. And I just put myself on a one-week experiment. And I took grains and everything that you know was problematical coming out of the book, including gluten, completely out of my diet for a week. And I was about three days into it. And one thing I noticed is my digestion was a lot better for sure, but also my head just really cleared up. So wow. he's yeah he's a neurologist so yeah. it was just like an experiment, yeah. like just try it for a week just see how it feels to you and just feel your body or your you know just see how you feel. So 
That is so important because that gets to the other the other piece of really listening mm-hmm. to your body and you know the relationship we have with our body is the most intimate one we will ever have. Mm. And so many of us treat it like, well, we've outsourced it to doctors or we've outsourced it to nutritionists. We've outsourced it to all these other people that supposedly know better mm-hmm. than we do. Mm-hmm. And I like to say they're probably, they, they are very good at identifying or diagnosing mm-hmm. issues, mm-hmm. but you are the one that really knows your body. You know how you're reacting to mm-hmm. what you put in your mouth and to what you drink. And so when you experiment with a cleanse or when you experiment with eliminating certain foods, Mm -hmm. you're now helping yourself to really listen to your body and pay attention to how it's reacted. Mm -hmm. And that is so very important. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to thank you very, very, very much for being available on the last day of 2015. This has been really great. It has been wonderful. And I hope people make their New Year's resolution to... (laughs) Travel safe and well and to make the healthy choice yeah. or the, no, the Nuri choice is what I should say. <laughs> make the Nuri choice. And if you want to find out more, just uh, go to www.travelhealthybook.com. And um, I should also say that we may do a follow-up blab on this. So once again, if you go to healthy, excuse me, alternativehealthtools.com, you can get a hold of us there uh, from the Contact Us page. And uh, to find out more, and there also the About page gives a little information about Blab and how to get started. Or you can email us at feedback at alternativehealthtools.com. I was also going to ask you, because you know what, we can go on and on here, but I, do you actually do consulting with individuals? You know, I, I can. I haven't, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm, I'm happy to talk to people one-on-one. Okay. You know, if, if that if that helps, that that wasn't that wasn't really my direction and my intent sure. with the book. Sure, I know a lot of people that write books are coaches or, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, I am I am an independent consultant, a strategy consultant, but I I haven't necessarily um, been focused on coaching in this area. Right. But with that said, um, I am co-founder of the global. Um, Business Travel Wellness Associates, and we're a consortium mm-hmm. of wellness advisors. And so Chris focuses on jet lag. Mm-hmm. Jane McAllister, for example, focuses more on fitness mm-hmm. and um, the overall travel environment. I focus a little bit more on food. Mm-hmm. and um, But we are working with companies on how to identify whether they have a travel wellness program, Mm -hmm. because there's a difference between travel wellness and corporate wellness. Mm -hmm. So that is something that, that we do. Thanks for visiting us. We really hope everybody has a wonderful 2016. It's certainly looking good from this end. How about you, Natasha? It's looking good. Great. All right. So until next time, this is alternativehealthtools.com podcast.